This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Oh my gosh. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Sorry I was late. I was at a lunch with Brian Cashman, Blake Snell, Aaron Judge, and Garrett Cole to figure out who approved whose new contract, who was down with it, who wasn't. Oh, what a week. The New York Yankees need pitching. They needed pitching when we left before the new year. They need pitching now. The only issue is now we know how much Frankie Montas cost. Remember when he was our backup option? He got $16 million to pitch for the Cincinnati Reds next year, coming off an inning with the New York Yankees in 2023. An inning. One inning of baseball. Uh, that's the guy who's getting $16 million of guaranteed money. That's more than Luis Severino got and his tipped pitches. That's uh, Lucas Giolito, $19.5 million for one year guaranteed with an option tacked on to the end of it. Uh, I don't want to do that, but if you tell me we got to the end of the offseason and the Yankees didn't add any pitching or they subtracted Glaber Torres and traded him to the Marlins for Edward Cabrera, which is still floating, or they traded Jim Bowden's package for Dylan Cease, then yeah, I actually would be angry that they did not go ahead and get Lucas Giolito, an innings eater who I don't think is very good, at a salary I wouldn't pay, but again, is exactly what this team needs if they're going to get no one. You need competence. Do you need Jordan Montgomery? I'd take him. Are they going to get him? Doesn't really sound like it, even though they'd like to. Are they going to get Blake Snell? Suddenly that sounds more realistic, and I'm only in favor of it depending on what contract he takes. Bottom line, we will break it all down. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the recent ratings and reviews. Thanks for sticking it out through the delay. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to drop us a five-star review if you haven't yet. Give us your thoughts. Uh, We're trying to grow the audio side. We're trying to go to the video side. We are around. Uh, You can find us. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. Uh, No sponsor for today, I feel like. I don't think so. Uh, There will be a new sponsor soon, but we have no deal for anybody. So if you want to tune out, because uh, we don't have a discount for you. We understand. But welcome to the podcast and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, no deal. You just get the Happy New Year from us. Uh, thanks um, for being with us today. Uh, thanks for sticking us sticking with us throughout 2023. Thanks Hell for of sticking year. us. Yeah. Yes, they, 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 I, we've gotten stuck as well. So thanks for sticking it to us. <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. Uh, 2023 was an amazing year. We had such a good time with you guys. And now it starts fresh right now. Uh we got a lot to talk about, um, and we're going to cram it in because um, stuff's moving fast here. Yeah. Uh, I think at any moment now, we're going to see the market start to kind of uh, uh, avalanche, um, especially after all of these other bigger deals have gotten out of the way. The holidays are now out of the way, so people are getting back to um, the grind on the free agent and trade market. Uh, look at today. Harrison Bader signing with the Mets on a $10 million deal. We're moving, baby, but um, the bigger news is, I guess, let's just kick it off to the top here with Blake Snell. Um, last night, John Heyman runs a column, talks about Snell and the Yankees, saying how the Yankees now need to take um, a calculate a, a semi-calculated risk after losing out on Yamamoto. Um, and although, I, I will say, I've been, I, I've been advocating for this for a while, that the Yankees rotation really is not that bad. Yes, it does need reinforcement. This is not a world series rotation yet, but you can get by having the guys that you have testing out the young talent in the early going Um, baseball America ranked them the 13th best rotation in the league. 
Fangraphs, yeah, Fangraphs oh, has him at 13. Fangraphs has him at 13 right now, and that's with Will Warren and Clayton Beater. Beater in the five, Warren in the six, and they only project like 140 innings from Clark Schmidt, probably correctly so because he's never topped. The, last year was his career high by 100 innings. Um, but yeah, that's ahead of the D-backs who signed Eduardo Rodriguez, went to the World Series with Merrill Kelly and Zach Allen. They have them 14th. They have the Rays 16th. It's not a total disaster for the Yankees right now, but the it not being a total disaster hinges on Nestor existing and Carlos Rodon not being the worst pitcher in baseball for 12 starts or whatever he provided. Right. Last year, we're going to need 28, and we're going to need them to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett Cole, you know, it's not rude to say a little bit of regression would be anticipated. You win the Cy Young, you're going to probably regress a little bit. You don't get better every year. But a lot, way too much talk about the Yankees losing a lot of innings. They lost Luis Severino's innings, the certified worst pitcher in baseball. They lose Domingo Herman's wildly inconsistent innings. And if you take out the perfect game, he's got a five-ish ERA. They lost a lot of very subpar innings. They just lost Michael King, who was a starter for four and a half weeks. And they lost some guys who had become acceptable bullpen pieces by the end of the year and Randy Vasquez and Johnny Brito. But like you said, no one is fist pumping and screaming that the Yankees are a World Series team. Book it, guarantee if they have Vasquez or Brito at the back of the rotation instead of Warren. Uh, they would have needed some reinforcements anyway. Uh, they're in the same spot they were at the end of the year. Solid. Uh, the, the metrics like them more than the eye test. And you should probably add some people. Yeah, definitely going to definitely have to add some people, but also like the formula here, especially if the Yankees are going to have a top heavy payroll with all these large contracts. And if you're dreaming of a impending Juan Soto uh, extension, if that happens, I don't think it's going to happen, but a mega deal in free agency, um, you're going to have to trust some of your young talent, um, especially on the pitching front, because what's the next most expensive thing besides Juan Soto and Aaron Judge? It's starting pitching. Um, and we've known that with the Garrett Cole contract, the Oshinobu Yamamoto sweepstakes, even with paying for Carlos Rodon. Um, but now get to talking Blake Snell. Look, here's the thing. The Yankees clearly earmarked $300 million this offseason to spend right on Yamamoto. Um, I understand that was going to be a 10 year deal. I understand that his free agency was a little bit unique or a lot bit unique because he was entering his age 25 season. Um, but clearly you can spend money if you were going to spend 300 million. There are, like I said, there are different factors there. You have the international marketing factor, which probably brings in revenue. But um, Heyman talked about how Garrett Cole is reportedly on board with a Snell acquisition. Um, he reiterated that Aaron Judge and Blake Snell have a good relationship. We've alluded to that in the past. People made fun of us for that for whatever reason. I don't well, know people, why. My favorite people making fun of us was Judge put up, Judge like never uses social media. He put up a picture yeah. of him and Blake Snell hanging out after the Padres came to New York. And Snell's numbers at that time were not good. So we wrote about how the Yankees might have a buy low option on their hands with Aaron mm-hmm. Judge's friend, Blake Snell. And then he goes on to win the Cy Young. So like, congrats to Blake Snell. He turned things around. People were recirculating that in like December, like by low. It's like, it was written in May. So during in March, I think it was like I after mean, his first, yeah, it was earlier yeah. than that. I mean, so you can't just, that's the freezing cold takes like that account still pisses me off. Like, yeah. oh, screen. It, sometimes they're great. Some they're very funny 3% of the time, but mostly it's, <laughs> it's either screenshotting someone's opinion that ended up being inaccurate. Like, Oh, got him. Like he had a thought yeah. it was wrong. Or it's just out of context stuff like that. Like 
Blake Snell really a buy low? Yeah, in March he was, and now he's not. So great screenshot. <laughs> so anyway, Heyman reiterated that and then added Garrett Cole to the mix. Garrett Cole, typically, a, a, I think we would agree, a soft-spoken guy. But if he's now getting in the front office's ear, um, we would all view that as a giant positive and, and obviously a great influence. And then you had, um, I believe, uh, a week earlier, right before the new year, Chris Cotillo of Mass Live talking about how contenders um, in the Snell market are kind of collectively pivoting to a short-term high AAV deal with opt-outs for Snell. Um, look, I uh, I understand there's a lot of pitfalls with him. I don't know what opt-outs would do. He just won a Cy Young. Uh, how much better are you going to do to be like, oh, yeah, I'm opting out now when I'm 32 instead of 31 or 33 instead of 32? Um, but if there is a possibility of a short-term high AAV deal on the table, um, that would be something the Yankees have to jump on in my opinion, because it doesn't hamstring them long-term financially. Um, they'll have money coming off the books each of these next ne a few off-seasons that are coming up, so they'll be able to absorb the hit. And in theory, if things don't collapse, you have Garrett Cole, you have Carlos Rodon, you have Blake Snell um, in their primes for the next two, three, four years, if it lasts that long. Um, I'm still a Nestor Cortez guy. I know he's got a longevity um, – uh, uh, the, from that perspective, a longevity perspective to further prove, but he's still a good starter. And then, like I said, you have to trust some of these pitching prospects. The Yankees hung on to the pitching prospects that they liked the most. That was the resounding uh, messaging from the Juan Soto trade. They did not get a, they did not get rid of their most in their eyes, prize pitching prospects and prize pitching assets, which I like criticizing the Yankees a lot. It's a great time. It's very easy. But if there's one thing I trust them with, it's evaluating the pitching talent, um, whether it's in the minors or whether it's in the major league. So I will also view that as a resounding win. And we have to, that's where we're going to um, uh, ring in the positivity because that's where they do their job well. I have next to no interest in like seven years and 230 million of Blake Snell. No. Because I, you look in a fantasy world where the I mean, whatever, absorbed, I don't care. No, I mean, in a fantasy world where the Yankees absorb every deal, then like, yeah. of course, great. But they, they're going to hold these things. They're going to hold each deal against the other one. They're not as embarrassing as the Red Sox. They're not signing Giolito for that pretty hefty sum of money, which is a thing that a team with a lot of money to spend does. Like, hey, who cares about $19 million? Like, we're going to get 180 innings out of this guy, and they might be 4.9 ERA, and they might be 3.4. And if he's bad, whatever, you know, at least he soaks up innings. But then to go, hey, we're trading Chris Sale to clear that money. Oh, smart move. But we're eating $17 million of it. What? And then, hey, we can't sign any more free agents. And we're telling them we need to get rid of more money before we sign anybody else. Then why do you sign the Lucas Giolito deal? Why do you sign that? The Yankees aren't that bad. But they do operate in the same way. They've let Giancarlo Stanton's fat chunk of money hamstring them for a half decade. So I'm not one to just sit here and say, get Sale, get Montgomery, get them both. Take your $300 million you were going to spend on Yamamoto. Go spend $320 on those dudes or, or $340. You know, there's no better feeling, though, than when you think you have a big expenditure coming and then it doesn't pan out. And then you're like, oh, my God, now I can spend way less on that other, you know, fruitless thing I wanted. Like, if you think you have to pay $450. I just had this. I thought I had to pay $450 for a hotel. I booked the hotel. And then I realized that I actually don't I don't get charged till I go. So I'm going to pay that in September. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's $400 I don't have to spend this month. All right, I'm going to buy a hat. Like, that's kind of what the Yamamoto Blake Snell thing feels like. Buy one like of those oh, giant I was about hats. To, 
I mean, obviously someday I have to spend that money, but it's like, oh, I was prepared to spend $300 million. Now I don't. I'm going to spend three years and $90 million on Blake Snell, who makes me better immediately and makes Garrett Cole happy and makes Aaron Judge happy. We still have to sit here and wait and see if this is Scott Boris using the Yankees because Scott Boris always uses the Yankees and the Heyman column that was like, if I'm the Yankees, oh boy, do I ever spend on Blake Snell to make some noise? It was very weird. Um, it was it was weird to read that. But then for Andy Martino to say that Snell's interested uh, and for the short-term high AV thing to come out, for the cold nugget to come out, it does feel like more and more, hey, this might be actually a serious pursuit. Even though like last week we read that the Yankees had done their homework, quote-unquote, on Snell and weren't interested. Maybe that was their signal to Scott Boris to say, not at this price, not at this many years. Um, it's just typically been the Yankees thing to say, let's stretch it out rather than let's condense it. Like DJ LeMahieu, let's pay you over six years instead of four or five. So for them to suddenly see the error of their ways and realize their spending power and be like, we could just blow Blake Snell out of the water on a three-year deal. I would be impressed if they did that, but surprised because it's more likely for them to be like, let's pay him $40 million less and make him play for us for eight years, which has repeatedly lowered the luxury tax bill, but also left you with, you know, used up assets way down the line. And um, my, if, if I, if it's actually on the table, Snell for like three years at a huge amount of money is currently my favorite option. Uh, Jordan Montgomery was my favorite option, but that was someone I thought the Red Sox might be clearing payroll for. Now it seems like that's less likely. Uh, The increasing likelihood people said the Yankees were in love with Montgomery wanted a reunion. Jeff Passan said that yesterday as recently as yesterday afternoon. But now uh, if pro Snell anti-Montgomery stuff is coming out, it's coming out because of Scott Boris, who controls both of those players' markets. And it's probably coming out because the TV deal that was preventing the Rangers from doing what they should have done the whole time and giving Montgomery their World Series hero, the deal he deserved, seems to be sorted out or at least on the way towards not being so much of an impediment. Uh, And that's presumably why Montgomery would be you know, leaning toward why wouldn't you want to stay where you just won a world series where you've been valued more than you've ever been valued anywhere else. Uh, his wife and her medical program being in Boston felt like, Hey, he should probably go to Boston. And if he doesn't, I guess he should probably target the Northeast, but Texas has been home. Texas has already been home recently. I'm sure they have something worked out if he can find a way to return to Texas. And if he does get a long-term deal, this is just one of those many, those six or seven years of control certainly she can end up in the dallas area if he does settle there for the rest of his career uh this feels like the spot if texas can make it work and if they they seem to be getting closer to making it work uh then that explains the tilting scales a little bit here yeah also the rangers local tv deal is gaining steam yeah so uh that's going to help with the revenue that they're i guess able to spend this but i mean crazy enough that you win a world series and then you're still not spending any money. Um, I know that there hasn't exactly been the greatest crop of free agents for the Rangers to um, jump at, but Jordan Montgomery just won your world series. He's clearly somebody who is in a very good age range to last a bit longer. Um, he doesn't really come at a prohibitive price. So I, it, odd how it's taking that long on the Rangers front, but um yeah, I we've always thought this was a long shot. Um, I know you like the re- I like the idea of the reunion too. It would be cool, but there's just too much that happened, and it feels like um, 
more of a waste of time than anything because of the overtures that need to yeah. be made to kind of make the whole thing palatable once again. I refuse to entertain it just because Brian Cashman, stubborn son of a B, he just went to the GM meetings and screamed at everyone for criticizing the way he runs the Yankees. That's all he did, right? <laughs> he had a platform to like talk about his plans for the future. And he was like, you're a weasel, you're a snake, you suck, we rule. And it was like, okay, another reminder of like what's going on in his brain. You really think that he was about to enter this off season and be like, Plan A, $300 million for Yamamoto. If it doesn't work out, plan B is me apologizing and giving Jordan Montgomery a bunch of roses and then also spending more than half the Yamamoto money to sign him. Like, the fit makes sense. If you need it, he's he's like Lucas Giolito, but presumably more consistent, yeah. more talent, but he's not a one or a one. Lucas Giolito's ceiling is still higher. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba than Jordan Montgomery's, I think. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't. I, I, I'd say that's a good argument. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think that's that's a, that's a talking point. Um, for perhaps another day. Um, yeah. Montgomery but, just feels solidified as like a three that can win you a game on the road in the playoffs. Yeah, but not a two, yeah. and not like a a person who leaves the opponent's teeth chattering, but like someone you definitely want on your team. Jiggy Alito is more of a roller coaster. Yeah, more roller coaster, and it's it's the tale of two you know seasons, right? You have Montgomery finish the year, uh, getting traded, responding to the criticism, winning a World Series, and you have Giolito who gets traded the, uh, twice and gets worse and worse and worse, um, and then presumably has no market or a very limited market. So um, yeah, it's you you look around too like we'll talk about let's talk about it right now Frankie Montas getting 16 million dollars from the Reds no, no no I'm all for spending money I there there is a point that that is reached and this is it Frankie Montas took 12 million dollars from uh, look he, he earned the money he's played baseball in his career and and that's what he earned through arbitration but he made eight starts and earned 12 million dollars over the course of a year and a half he he straight up took money from the Yankees. If there was a reunion here of any sorts, it was going to be 
Um, it was going to be a cheap one-year deal where he rebuilt his value kind of in good faith because he presumably lied upon acquisition about his shoulder injury. Seemed like it. Seemed like he lied. Seemed like the Yankees didn't do, you know, Brian Cashman claims that they did the due diligence when he was yelling at the reporters at the, uh, at the GM meetings, whatever happened, he had a previous shoulder injury. It, he got traded to the Yankees. The shoulder injury happened again because it did. It was, it, it wasn't too much, uh, but it wasn't uh, too far in the rear view before the trade happened. And then it kept him out for a year and a half. So something happened that was a little bit fishy. At any point, either way, if you're getting him as a depth starter after him, again, not pitching for a year and a half, he was going to be had for under $10 million, in my opinion. Um, the Reds wanted to, the Reds viewed that as an opportunity for them to spend a little bit more um, because they have less money on the books and then they can free up, I guess, some room after this season um, with a one-year deal. Great. I don't think the Yankees have that bandwidth. I mean, technically they do, but... Um, that's not an asset that you spend money on, um, after you got burned by him and he hasn't been on the mound long enough. So, um, I don't know, is anyone blaming the Yankees for this? I haven't really seen too much criticism about it. I thought that it was pretty much well received by everybody. It was great. Let him go there. Um, but we're also critic. you know, there's, there's been some chatter about criticizing the Yankees for not spending in free agency. You know, they spent $45 million in two trade acquisitions, um, they got better, uh, the, the, they were in on the most expensive, the second most expensive free agent on the market and got to the finish line and just didn't win the sweepstakes, um, outside of offering 75 more million there, there was nothing they could really do. Um, and then you look at the trade market trade market. Uh, actually, do you want to, you want to talk about Montas? I know you've had some feelings. Well, just a, just a little bit to say that this was my wake up call moment of like, oh, this off season might be like really effed. Like Lucas yeah. Giolito didn't do it for me. Cause I was like, I'd heard that he was going to command close to a $20 million AAV and, and shout out to Robert Murray on the baseball insiders who I know is going to take a victory lap on today's show. He, he, called said that? That, he said that and got laughed at by the chat. Cause the chat is mean and he's the insider. And then he got 19.5 million. Um, but Giolito, like, I don't know, Giolito finished in the top 15 Cy Young voting three years in a row from 19 to 21. He's been really bad for two years, but there were no like injury issues there. There was just like awful pitching. So I get that contract. Like Lucas Giolito, I, I thought maybe he was going to be like a three year 50 or something, but yeah. there was no need for like a one year pillow. Montas didn't pitch last year. And so we were penciling him into the Yankees rotation as their sixth starter and like the last resort depth piece, because everybody was saying he, you know, he was great at the facility and the Yankees worked with him to get him that one inning in Casey. So he could feel good going into free agency. Remember what oh. life was all about. Uh, but he'll be available on like a one year's $8 million deal with incentives to get it to 10 or 12 or even 14, all these, maybe it'll be $6 million baseball, all these escalators. Cause he knows He's an all-star talent, but he's going to have to take a significant pay cut this year. And then he didn't at all. And then he made $16 million from a Cincinnati Reds team that is in the playoff hunt with young talent like Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz and almost got a wild card spot last year. Their goal this year is to compete theoretically by blending that cheap talent with some veteran stars and, and getting a wild card spot and seeing what happens. It's been a very common internet joke to say, can't wait for the 124 win Dodgers to get bounced in the DS by the 87 win Reds because people think the Reds are 
pretty good, a little frisky, and could get you to that 87, 88 wins and make some annoying playoff noise. They're the ones, they have $16 million lying around for Frankie Montas. So that was the moment when I was like, okay, the Yankees need pitching, or they're not allowed to leave this offseason without more pitching. The rotation might be better than we think, but that doesn't mean you need to add major league caliber innings to this rotation. And they need to be better than Luis Severino. This makes Severino's contract look like a bargain. How is Frankie yeah. Montas out here making $16 million? How are the Yankees backup options out here making $15, 16000000 million? Uh, it stand, there's no logic that says that they won't add to the rotation. And everybody, Andy Martino today said the expectation is they come away with one additional arm. We could use this to go into the trade market a little bit. But you would think you would think that they would know that, that they can't strip down the depth in the Juan Soto trade and then respond to that by not doing anything on the other end. But that's what they did when they traded Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. They added Montas and didn't add a second pitcher. So they went, you get a pitcher and then we get a pitcher. That's not how you build depth at the deadline. It was nonsensical. They did that. You would have thought they would have picked a lane at last year's deadline instead of trading for just Keenan Middleton. Even if you didn't believe in bigger than Rodon, surely you thought they would have spent after Rodon. They didn't do anything. Uh, there have been so many logical things they haven't done since 2019. So I just want, like, uh, until they actually make a move for substantial innings, trade market, Montgomery, Snell, because the rest of the free agent pitching market is pretty bleak. Sean Manaya would interest me a little bit, but mm. Rich Hill would not. Um, I tweeted a list of these guys, Dakota Hudson, like bleak, bleak, bleak. Yeah. Um, so they're going to, they're going to have to add inning somehow. And it's probably going to be the trade market, but they've already used up a lot of their trade assets on Juan Soto. So just next year's free agent starting pitching market is much better, but you can't just kick 2024 into a yeah. trash can because you wanted to finish third on every free agent. I think that's Andrew Friedman's rant. And it's my rant. Like you're rational on every free agent. You'll finish third on every free agent. Yamamoto didn't want them, but you might have to be irrational on one of these guys. Yeah, uh, and they they have the ability to be irrational in free agency. Trade market, different story. Let's go there. We just went through all the free agents. Um, report from Passin, Ken Rosenthal. Either way, it was somebody big. Um, that the chances of Corbin Burns and Shane Bieber being traded are dwindling. Why? Because both of those teams reside in relatively weak divisions. They're presumably could be considered the favorites heading into the 2024 season. Um, neither team is in a rush if they are not getting what they want in return for what they would deem a very valuable asset, especially if they still have time to move them at the trade deadline, which is when teams get really desperate and will give up what they need at that point. Um, uh, when you consider the expanded playoff field and um, the need for pitching in general. And I know it will only be what two month rental for those, but we've seen what the prices are on that. And if you're not, in, if you're not, if if you're not satisfied with what you're getting in the preseason for a full year of somebody, then you can get very much close to um, what you want when the trade deadline arrives. So that's bad news. And then, and then, and then you have this Dylan C's chatter, which is just, I, I don't, I, it's crazy. There was a proposed um, trade on SNY last night um, by Jim Dillon's 4.58 ERA last year, 1.418 whip, by yeah. the way. So if you're laughing at Giolito, which a lot of people are, yeah. Dillon's had almost the same year with like more whiffs. 
But the K's, I mean, K's per innings, I mean, both of them excelled more K's than innings pitched. Both of them have pedigree, but both were bad last year. Yeah, Dylan Cease has had a walk problem his entire career. He averages four walks per nine innings. Um, yeah, he strikes out a good amount. He led, led the league in walks twice. Um, one was the short in 2020 season, but still, um, again, never a 200-inning guy. Most he's ever thrown in a single season is 184. I understand he comes with two years of team control. I understand he's entering his age 28 season. But if you think for one second that the New York Yankees are giving up Jason Dominguez, Chase Hampton, Will Warren, and Brock Selvage, which is the proposed trade package from Jim Duquette on SNY that is circulating on the internet that people are reading. This is like, uh, this is, I don't even, this is like Newsmax's version of trade proposals. The uh, Orioles one that I've been seeing too is like, it's three top 100 prospects. It's like Heston Kerstad, Basalo, and, and another guy. And it's like, uh, how about one? How about you start yeah. with one? How about one? He's he's going to have escalating um, uh, arbitration costs. I know what he's going to – yeah, he's probably going to be 10-ish million this year. He made almost 6 million last year. Um, and then the third year of arbitration is the biggest escalator for any player. Um, I don't – I understand there's ace potential here. He's really like, he's the talented guy. No one, no one's denying this. I would Absolutely. take Dylan on my team tomorrow. You cannot justify that trade package when he has had one season with a sub three nine one ERA. It came in 2022. It was a genius season. Thirty two starts, two point two ERA, three point one FIP, one point one one WHIP. Second finish in the Cy Young voting. Nobody's knocking that. 227 strikeouts, like you said, in those 184 innings. I'm not denying that talent, but you follow that up with a 4.58 ERA and a 1.42 whip. If you're going to tell me that, like, every player who has a hot year or has a hot first half of the season is now a major commodity on the trade market and a major commodity at the trade deadline because of the turnaround then you can't justify this trade package for the step back Dylan Cease took in 2023. And I don't care how bad the White Sox situation is. I understand that it's toxic. I know a lot of players' um, uh, performances have been affected as a result uh, because things are not good over there. But if there's one thing, baseball, in a sense, is a very individual sport by taking care of what you need to take care of in, in your job, starting pitching especially. You get the ball once every five days. If you can't deliver on that front, then, um, then, then that means there's other factors at play. And Dylan Cease's body of work, as impre as as he's shown flashes of flashes of brilliance, there has not been enough here to justify three top 100 prospects for two years of control. No, it's getting really dark out there, and I haven't even been entertaining Dylan Cease. Jesus Lazardo is interesting to me. I would not. I would still not trade this package though. Jason Dominguez is off limits. Spencer Jones is off limits. Find another way to get it done. Sorry. Just absolutely not. Like, I have to yeah. go all in on 2024. I have to get innings. But I'm not so much of a believer in the resurrected Jesus Lazardo, who I, again, all, everybody, everyone on the trade market comes with warts. There's no one perfect on the trade market. But that's the reason I want to pay money for people. Because the trade market is full of people who are either being overvalued or who are being properly valued that the Yankees just can't, can't go for that. Because they just traded a bunch of top-level prospects for Juan Soto. They don't have an overflowing farm. Yeah, The Dodgers can make a Lazardo trade right now, and they should. But yeah, and the Yankees can't. 
And do, I mean, I don't the price for Luzardo. Yes, you get three years of control, but again, the guy one season with over a hundred innings pitched. The Yankees perpetually have pitching injuries, uh, longevity issues, um, oscillating guys between the rotation and the bullpen. Um, one season where Luzardo has made more than. 18 starts. And that's why the Jesus Lizard is available because the Marlins know that too. Yeah. They're selling high 208 strikeouts last year. I'm not, den- again, not denying the talent on this man. Yeah. I, I, I would take him on my team in a second. Am I paying? Say it to his face. Up- Say it to his face, dude. Deny his talent, man. <laughs> uh, baby Jesus Lizardo, I, I would take him on my team in a second. I'm not trading assets to deplete the rest of my roster or farm system for, again, a largely unproven commodity. Um, this is this is just where the 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 discussion gets insane um, and where people get wrapped up. They hear someone's name, hit the trade market, and then it's like, oh no, we have to get him. And it's like, have you read anything outside of what the last two weeks has has shown you on the internet? Like, I it, they made a smart deal in getting him for Starling Marte at the trade deadline in mm-hmm. 2021 uh, from the Oakland A's. It was a shrewd move. Now they have a what they have a raise exec running the show there now, right? Yeah, that's the one issue with yeah, the so Marlins too. Because Kim Ang was our best friend, even yeah. though we tried to do a Glaber deal and couldn't do it. Like I know Kim Ang valued Glaber Torres. There are rumors she valued Oswald Peraza. I don't know what Peter Bendix from the Rays, who's now running the Marlins, values. So we want Eduardo look, Edward Cabrera for Oswald Peraza. Call it in. But I'm just a man sitting in my chair looking at a bobblehead. I don't have that relationship. I can't do that. Um, so my like my knowledge of how the Yankees and Marlins fit together in the puzzle is completely different than it was last year. I knew that they could come to turn, I knew that they could dance around it for a while and then look each other in the eye and say, Look, you like Glaber Torres. We know you like Glaber Torres. You, you like Oswald Peraza. We know you like Oswald Peraza. Now I don't know what they value at all. So Edward Cabrera is a risk and a half, right? He's he's someone you're gonna hear about eternally from teams that are every smart fan base thinks they're the ones that figured out that Edward Cabrera has a nasty changeup and has a walk problem. Spoiler alert, all 30 of the teams in Major League Baseball, all of your fans figured out the same thing, and they're all trying to get Eduardo Cabrera, Edward Cabrera, to their team. 99 and two, there's innings last year, 118 Ks. Very good. 424 ERA, 1.8 war. The changeup is disgusting. He fits Matt Blake's profile. The walks are crazy. Uh, 66 walks in 99 and two thirds innings, not a finished product, not someone I want to trade Glaber Torres for at this point in time no. anyway, cause I'm not subtracting offense from a team that's trying to win with a good lineup, but Peraza who right now is a backup infielder and you need to give to get, yes, I would do that. I would give him up in the same way that I would give Everson Pereira, take the risk, give Pereira to the guardians for Shane Bieber, but the Yankees don't seem to be interested in Bieber. They already did their Guardians trade. We don't know how the Yankees and Marlins match up anymore. And that's why you get to a dark place where people are like, Patrick Corbin's contract? I don't know. Um, Pitcher wins don't matter as much as they used to, but Patrick Corbin has led the National League in losses for the last three seasons. Three! (laughs) 21, 22, and 23. That is not a contract I want to entertain eating. People are talking about Kyle Freeland. People are talking about Brady Singer. The names are getting crazy. Because everyone knows the Yankees have to add talent in some capacity. There is no perfect fit. So why not just do the thing where you pay money for the imperfect fit instead of sacrificing important top prospects and overpaying via trade? Yep. Uh, You know what I would do is sign Cody Poteet. 
oh yeah, Cody Fotee was top of my wish list too. Congratulations yeah. to the Yankees for uh, committing their first free agent money today on Cody Fotee. $750,000. I know nothing about this guy except the fact that he uh, has options and we know what the Yankees are going to do with him. Um, He's going to be, he's going to be on the Scranton shuttle, my friend. Um, Rent don't buy my King. (laughs) uh, So now what they're, they are, was that 38 coming into today? Well, they just also claimed Bubba Bubba Thompson. Thompson. So that's probably Bubba Thompson, a minor league stolen base merchant who hasn't hit the big league level. I think that's probably going to be all 40 on the 40 man. Yeah, that's right. Then we'll we'll lose Bubba Thompson soon and we'll lose Jeter down soon. And then we'll keep these pitches for a while. Yeah, um, but that and that obviously means any free agent signing would have to come with a corresponding roster move. Um, You would assume any trade that's happening, um, they're going to deal from the 40 man roster. But again, um, very few trade candidates out there. Uh, It doesn't seem like Snell's market is necessarily moving right at this moment. Um, Just just shut the door, dude, and do four years for 120. Would he accept that? I don't know. If he's um, privately talking about being a Yankee and he has Aaron Judge's ear and Garrett Cole is pushing for him, then he certainly should do that. Um, yeah. Endorsements, too. Endorsements in New York. The, the Yankees would have the two reigning Cy Youngs in the same rotation. You would get a pretty f- fertile season out of that, I would say, regardless of whether it works out or not. I would also say Blake Snell, not a perfect fit for a lot of teams. Uh, people concerned about, whoa, big strikeout, high pitch count, a lot of walks. He goes five innings and leaves. Like, that stinks. The Yankees can weather that storm. Like, the Yankees build pretty strong bullpens year in and year out. They'll take five elite innings at the start, followed by four innings of bullpen every five days. If they can count on a little more longevity from Rodon and a little more from Cole and, and build a deep bullpen. The fan graphs projection was also really good and really thorough but had Luis Heel projected for like 18 innings this year. That's not right. I think he's going to throw 50 or 60, and I think he's going to be a pretty effective member of the bullpen. Yeah, that's – you got to remember you have – let's let's pull up the 40, man, so we can look at this a little, uh, little bit more intensely. We will pull up the 40, man, then we're going to scream about Chris Sale, and then we are going to sign off today. Yeah. So if you want to hear that, please stick around because we got mm. some – we might go 45 minutes. We can't. We literally can't, but we might. <laughs> Um, we got Clayton Beater, Luis Heel, Yoandres Gomez. Um, and I think that's it. Well, Matt Crook, you might be cat food soon. Matt too. Crook, yeah. So, like, these are guys that I'm viewing, and you uh, obviously you factor in Will Warren and Clayton Beater when they get to the roster, but you have to get people off the roster in order to get them on. Um, those would be candidates to piggyback starters. Um, in any capacity, if Blake Snell can only go five innings, one of those guys comes in for two or three. Um, one of the starters gets knocked out early in the game. Those guys come and, and finish it off and preserve the bullpen. So um, there, there there should be plenty of ways to go about this. Um, you have arms that need to get major league innings under their belt. You have arms that need to get any type of experience possible. doesn't matter if it's in a traditional start or it's a spot start or it's um, it's it's following a, an an opener or whatever whatever it may be. These guys need the experience. They need the exposure. And there's going to be ways to do it. I know the Yankees aren't the greatest at managing that. Um, we've had our issues with Aaron Boone and workload stuff, but um, 
if you have a rotation in in this situation, in theory, with Cole, Rodon, Snell, Clark Schmidt, Nestor Cortez, that should be enough. Warren, Beater, Gomez. Yeah, Yeah, that should those five should be enough. Yes, someone's gonna get injured. Yeah, but though that that should give you enough length. Um, and I know there's issues with Snell because he's never gone over like what 182 in his career, but sure. he's hit 180 like three times, and quite frankly, that's good and that's enough. Um, uh, and again, to win two Cy Youngs, like you need the high leverage ability to pitch like that. That that's what you're paying for. You're paying for the the marquee starts where you have to win that nationally televised game. Or where you have to, you, you need a slump buster, or you need to win games down the stretch, or you need an October start. That's what you're paying for. You're not paying for Blake Snow to go six, seven innings every fifth day during the regular season. Um, so uh, th- that's another important note here. That's that's what we're, we're separating um, what you're paying for and how you're paying for it. Yes, and uh, interesting point by our friend the Simon Eddie source. Uh, Jordan Ooh. Montgomery and Blake Snell last year, it, it, it's 20, 20 starts of six plus innings versus 21 starts of six plus innings. It's not exactly a five and fly, not exactly a five and fly guy. Um, well, the Yankees were reportedly planning an active January and guess what? They fucking better be cause they need to make <laughs> some signings and spring training is in February. So I appreciate that report. We'll examine its validity over the next several weeks. Again, we will be here every Monday and Thursday two o'clock Eastern until in perpetuity. We're going to hopefully have some guests on soon. I'm going to work on securing a big one next Monday to join us, give us updates. Uh, If not next Monday, maybe the Monday after, but we're going to have some good guests coming up soon. Uh, Let's all, let's talk about Chris Sale leaving the division. We have like uh, five, six minutes here just to say, uh, look, I get it. Smart for the Red Sox uh, to clear some cash out, but they didn't clear that much cash out. They ate $17 million to clear 10.5. Chris Sale, also not a long-term commitment. This yeah. was his final guaranteed year. Uh, they really like Vaughn Grissom, the Braves prospect they got, formerly the Braves' number one prospect, someone whose exit velocities don't necessarily match up with his results, and his results in the bigs haven't been very good. Maybe Vaughn Grissom is your second baseman of the future, but it kind of seems like he's just a guy who's being thrown in that mix. The Red Sox are probably going to have an active January where they maybe trade some of that infield prospect depth for some pitching. But like we just said, the controllable pitching is kind of eh? it's kind of Edward Cabrera or maybe it's the Mariners guys if you really want to overpay. I just don't know. All I know is that Chris Sale is gone and that rules because that guy is a malcontent and I refuse to justify his behavior. And he's one of the most annoying rivals we have ever had because losing to a man who is that big a shithead is sort of un you can't you rattle that around in your brain for like 24 hours afterwards you're like not only did we get embarrassed not only did we get emasculated by somebody's breaking ball but it's that guy that guy gets to feel good and i get to feel bad that feeling is horrible von grissom seems like a nice guy i'm sure i'll eventually hate losing to von grissom too but there's nothing like getting chris sale the fuck out of here no this is the one of the worst one of the most hated red Sox, and i it's crazy how it's i feel like it's a little bit like under he he's an underrated hated Red Sox. Like he should be a lot more. And the, the I think the reason being is because he's kind of been irrelevant for four years. Yeah, people started crying about the extension, acting like he was never good. He came yeah. in like a buzzsaw in seventeen eighteen. They gave up nothing for him. His, yeah, yeah, they gave up Michael Kopech and Yoan Moncada for him. Uh, two people who would not have impacted our lives if they were in Boston. They got just a fire breathing 
all-time talent type ace with an attitude uh, that needed adjusting, in my humble opinion, when he stepped off the mound, but uh, on the mound, unparalleled. Yeah, he had his two best seasons of his career in 17 and 18. He, uh, I know he only threw like, what, 158 innings in 2018, but then he was the driving force in that postseason coming into close. He closed out the World Series. He closed out the DS against the Yankees. Um, He's like if Blake Snell wasn't on Lexapro. Yeah. <laughs> but he did throw 226 innings in 2016, 214 in 2017. Then it goes down. Then 158, 147, 102 and two-thirds last year. Red Sox fans told me, though, last year that the metrics were really good in August and September, that we should be scared of Chris Sale. Now, all of a sudden, they trade him away, and they're like, well, we had to get that money off the books. Again, that one year of money, just one year, not long-term. Yeah, but um, uh, couldn't be – like, this is – this is a – like, this is the Red Sox kind of deconstructing their culture, right? Like, Chris Sale is the perfect – Red Sox. He is, he looks like a Red Sox. He acts like the classic version of the, you know, the grimy and shit talky and um, insufferable Red Sox. Like there was that clip from the 2021 ALCS, the fakest like play playoff run you've ever seen. And he lost that game against the Astros. His Just last talk- playoff start with the Red yeah, Sox was he, a very embarrassing loss. I left my nuts out on the mound. You better believe it. It's like, dude, like just a try-hard hardo in every sense of the word, destroying those TVs after like not even that bad of a start at a minor league facility. He walked Rehab. like five, gave up one run over three and third three two three and two-thirds innings and destroyed a bunch of TVs and then tried to justify that behavior by saying, Well, it wouldn't have mattered if somebody didn't record me. Hmm. acting as if like that was oh man like if i worked at bank of america no one would that it wouldn't have mattered like i wouldn't i wouldn't be in the crosshairs of the public yeah no shit dude you don't work at bank of america though why would you ever work there no one would want you working there you probably look so bad in a suit um but god he was just like everything about him his it, it, it everything screamed red Sox about him and that made him even more hated among Yankees fans. So, like, I can't believe – I am so thrilled that he's out of the division. Um, whatever, go do what you're going to do with the Braves. Get your extra two years in the extension. I don't care. Win another World Series doesn't matter to me. But if I don't have to hear or see this guy on a consistent basis anymore, gigantic win for me mentally and for the Yankees. And Nick Pavetta's next, buddy. Yeah. Well, you're making too much money this year. The Red Sox might look to trade you too. That Chris Sale analogy of like, well, it wouldn't have been a problem if no one had filmed me doing it. Like, yeah, no kidding. But that's like saying you're a public figure. That That's like saying – Oh, so I get in trouble. It's such, it's like Twitter logic. It's like, oh, so I got in trouble for taking my pants off at the movie theater. But if I was a famous porn actor, you would have applauded for that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but that's a crazy, that's a crazy thing you just said. Like that justifies absolutely nothing. So goodbye to Chris Sale. Uh, one of the worst of the worst. Uh, remember when he begged Adam LaRoche to keep his 10 year old son in the clubhouse. Remember when he sliced up the throwback jerseys with scissors because he was doing civil disobedience. They were uncomfortable. Bye bye. Uh, go to uh, go to Atlanta. Do your thing, and you got extended there already. So if there's a Chris Sale comeback, it will not happen with the Boston Red Sox, and that is great for my personal mental health. We will see everyone here right back here on Monday. Gonna work on a potential guest, and we'll keep you guys updated on that. Probably tweet about it. Obviously, if we're gonna get guests. We're gonna advertise it. 
Uh, we're not just going to do it in secret. Uh, shout out to everybody showing up again today. A little stilted on the timing up top. You guys still showed out. Still top 30 on the stream. Uh, we'll be back again Monday, 2 o'clock and twice next week. I'm Adam Weinerb. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerb. Thomas Carinante. That is Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, currently known as X. Can the people find you on that platform? Yeah, it's Twitter. It's at Tommy's underscore takes. It's at Yanks Goyard FS for the both of us. Um, and then if you're using Internet Explorer, Safari, Chrome, Firefox, whatever, you head on over to yanksgoyard.com and you get all the off-season content that you need. Um, we're still churning over there. We're having a great time. Um, everything we talk about here and more in written form, up to date, everything you need to know. Um, please go on and read. Uh, we're having a great time. Again, we appreciate the support. Thank you guys for showing up. Have a great weekend. Happy New Year. We'll see you on Monday. Right see ya, everybody. Cody Poteet for Zion. <laughs>